in the cold depths of the Canadian winter. The chill sinks to the bone. Everyone's looking for some piece of solace, some piece of warmth that will give them hope. Well, today we bring you some of that warmth. It's Dungeons and Diapers with Crofton and Ryan. Hey. Welcome, Ryan. I'm back. And all, also, we have a special guest, Ryan, today. And um, this special guest is someone that longtime uh, Dungeons and Diapers listeners may recognize due to me constantly name dropping him. He is a co host from uh, the Good, Bad, and uh, or Bullshit podcast. Michael Hodgins is joining us. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Nice to be here. Um, how are you doing? You you name <laughs> dropped me on this on this show. Yeah, just mostly about anecdotes. You're like and this stuff. idiot guy I know, Mike, <laughs> this... the moron. So, Mike, just give like for for people who are, are meeting you for the first time, give us your bona fides on both the Dungeons and Diapers side sides of things. Uh, do you? How many kids do you have? Uh, that sort of stuff. One, which is uh, just for the record, the correct amount of kids to have. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh oh, <laughs> just, wait, so, just it's so not you guys three? know. No, sorry. Oh no. <laughs> three. Wait, you, yeah, you almost have three. Is that, almost, is that like a month away. Almost. So you're like two and a half kids in. That's a lot of kids. You got to upsize the vehicles. You know, once you get to like, uh well, even two kids, you got to get. So yeah, okay. Well, let me step back. I got one kid. That's enough for me. Uh, he was a hard baby, which you know helps helps define your uh, expectations for future children. And on the dungeon aspect of it, I am certainly a um, a former hardcore gamer. You spent all, many a year immersed in games, but these days I've not been gaming much, uh, video games that is. But I still do love uh, board games and like to play with. Uh, Crofton and Bo, the other host of GBB, uh, as often as we can get to it. So, um, yeah, but hey, and that's pretty that's much a, the extent of my nerd stuff right now. That's the um, that's another edit. Like when I'm talking about board game stuff, I'm Mike is one of the uh, the knuckleheads that I'm 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 playing with. And to to sense Mike, what is interesting is like part of this show is or the main part of it is talking about how to balance your hobbies and your interests and all of that sort of stuff with having kids. And that that one being the correct amount, I totally can appreciate how that would make that easier, right? Like you know, yeah, you can it for sure. Like I notice the difference for for my friends who have two kids, which I always point out to them is it double the amount of kids I have, uh, and, and that really does change a lot of stuff. Like you know, like um, I, I'm also uh, uh, kind of. Uh, what, what, how would you call it? An avid outdoorsman. I like my skiing. I like my my camping, rock climbing, some kind of stuff like that. Some mountain biking. So it's fairly easy to get those activities in when you only have the one kid because you're just always swapping out with the other parent. You know, be like you, you get your schedule for the week. And I know I know people with more than one kids can do that too. But that parent is alone doing double duty with two kids driving them nuts. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot more. So. I mean, I don't know. Have you guys found that with two kids, you know, soon to be three for you, Ryan, that it's just like you're more apt to forego activities that are purely for you because you don't want to sort of put too much on your partner to be like, well, if I go away for four hours, like if I go mountain biking, say I might be gone for four hours. But if you, if you guys want to do something similar, you're out of the house. 
for four hours, the, your your wives are going to be having two kids for four hours. Does that does that sympathy creep in? You're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll do it another time. Or I'll let Ryan get this one first. Oh, uh, that's a good yeah. Because I've see Ashley, uh, she's very uh, she's very accommodating when it comes to sort of you know geek. I'd say vacations, but more like geek getaways. Like we have on the in the past gone away for I've gone away for a weekend to a bachelor party or to just a a gathering. Uh, Avengers Endgame is a good example. That was the last one I, I sort of went away for the weekend, saw the movie, hung it with friends, and you know Ashley's got a really strong support uh, system here with her family being in town. And she's able to, you know, pull in that assistance uh, for help. But yeah, I find with two kids, like I, I take care of the kids on on my own on Saturdays because Ashley works. Not that I'm saying, you know, I get to do geek getaways and she gets to go to work on Saturdays and that's that's the deal. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying like they're not, the kids aren't are at an age where they kind of entertain themselves. And I think that's where a lot of people will defend, maybe not defend, but back up sort of the idea of having multiple kids like yes it's a lot of work up front because you suddenly have a a child who's used to all of your attention now getting next to none as you're dealing with this brand new baby Uh, but then once they get old enough like Caden and Abigail they interact with each other oftentimes they're like fine until I step away and then they start fighting that's my experience with them but uh, <laughs> wait, wait, they're fine until you until you literally on. turn your eyes away from them. And they're like, oh, daddy's not looking. Let's do something to uh, but get that his doesn't attention. sound easier. But occasionally if you're hanging out there like you got a tablet and you're just reading the, the news or watching something, they, they'll play very yeah. well in front of you. But if yeah. You, oh, yeah. I think if I tried it like today when I I cook dinners on Thursday nights, because, again, Ashley works. Um, so I'll cook dinner and hang out with the kids and put them to bed by myself. Oftentimes, like even I've been working all day, like I can just hang out with them and they're (coughs) fine. You know, as long as they feel like they're being paid attention to, uh, like when I try to cook dinner, I have to kind of be like, okay, you know, reminder, just step away from the oven. I'm opening it up. Like I'll be over (laughs) there in a second, you know, play Paw Patrol, but they need to engage with themselves a lot. I need to step in as a reminder because I see what's going on here a little bit. We didn't we didn't establish how old Mike's kids were uh-huh. uh, or Mike's child is compared to 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 your kids, Ryan. So, for example, uh, Mike, how old is your your son? He's five and a half. And so, uh, Ryan, how old's your eldest? Uh, four. Right. Man, that's ballpark. It's close. And ballpark. So he's not in. In kin- when when did he turn four? He'll be he'll be in kindergarten uh, in September, so he's in preschool right now. So he did he when's his birthday? Uh, January, uh, late January. Okay, yeah, no, that yeah, story checks out, right? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I passed this test. So so for me, like the thing is, um, the age difference has been a big thing because I have like, I think I have up until Ryan's next kid, I have the youngest, I have the youngest kid. Of Ryan and I, I had the youngest and the oldest, so they, they they're uh, uh, they have like, a big age. Like age Gwen difference. is older, yeah. Then yeah, Ryan, Gwen is older than uh, both Caden um, uh, and Abigail, and mm-hmm. and um, and Clara is younger. So that age difference makes it so that they have complete different needs and different interests. So Ryan's point about like you're doing the work up front. 
only recently am I starting to benefit from this because only recently, and by recently, I mean like the past two weeks, are they starting to actively play together? And I'm, and, and they're awesome and they don't do, they're, they're not like, they're less likely to fight if, um, uh, you know, they, they haven't really been fighting much at all. Uh, but, but I'm at the point now, like, it sounds like not much, but I can, can like clean up the kitchen. Jesse and I can clean up after supper and they can do stuff themselves. Mm-hmm. And that has been a big difference than both of them wanting, uh, wanting our attention. And so to answer, uh, um, Mike's sort of, uh, beginning point, cause the, the beginning point wasn't necessarily about like, um, kids. It was about like, do we have time for ourselves? And the, the answer to, or do we feel guilty? And the answer to that is I do. And the reason for that is like, you have, um, you have the, the concept of, of, of like, you're both working during the week. You've got time in the evening in which you got to do supper, bedtime, all of that. And then, yes, technically in the evening, I could go out and do an evening activity after the kids are, you know, put to bed. One of us has to stay in the house and we could swap out. So that's something that I could potentially do. But on the weekend, there's two days that are off. Uh, and I have to, um, like, if I want to do fa- if we want to do stuff as a family, well, that means one or the other of us, like on on the other day, would have to do would uh, would have to be with both kids, and that's that's a handful, obviously. And yeah, I would feel badly if Jesse was that for a whole day or whatever, or even half a day. And then of course we've got like groceries, uh, house cleaning, errands, and all of that. So if Sunday's more of an errand day, anyways. Uh, and then Saturday's more of a family day, then guess what? That doesn't leave uh, any a lot of time to be like, oh, there's going to be a, um, you know, a, a half day that I'm going to go out to do this. And even if I am, like, say, uh, like, I have a pass to mow trauma right now. My brother gave me for Christmas. I keep being like, okay, what day should I go to do that? Or what weekend? Well, like, that's a big ask for Jesse. She's going to be having both kids <laughs> for essentially that entire day. And then I know I'm going to be pooched the next day or whatever. So it's just like, it pretty much gives her a shitty weekend. So yes, I feel guilty about that sort of it's, stuff and we'll reduce it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like your, <laughs> this is Nick who gave you the pass. Yep. Uh, I know Crofton's brother, Nick mm-hmm. full disclosure. And I know he's a big time ski, a ski, ski person. I'm like, Oh, that's like self-serving of him. He's like, Oh yeah, I want to go to Trombla. I'll give Crofton this pass and we'll go get some extra <laughs> lines. And because, but because I've thought of that, but because sometimes I'm a big skier as well. And I'll think something's like, Oh, it'd be nice to go to Mont Trombla. And then I think of the day now. And again, I only have the one kid to make me feel guilty, but leaving with my, with my wife the whole day, but I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I got to get an early start. It's like a two hour drive. You know, you want to get a good day. You got to leave it. Like you're at the door at seven o'clock. You might get there by nine. You want to get your most, you're there all day. You leave at four. You're not back till six. Like basically at dinner, after dinner, I'm like, man, that's a long day. And I basically will refrain from doing something like that. And I only have the one kid. So I can see your, um, although like, resistance. I, it's funny because I think if it was just Gwen, my eldest in particular, I'd be like, Gwen is pretty easy. Like if I just had the day with Gwen doing fun stuff, then I mean, I wouldn't feel guilty about Jesse just hanging out with Gwen for the day. You know, like it's no, it, it's I, I know. the two it, kids mm, really, and I, yeah. the younger kid that's uh, apt to destroying things in particular. So. Yeah, you're, you're the younger the younger they are, the more likely the the more energy you have to output to to kind of keep them occupied. Now, Abby 
she's at an age now where she has kind of gone over that that hump and she's she's like in the morning i'll come down after showering getting ready for work and and she's like already finished breakfast and she's off playing at the table i'm like oh are you done breakfast yep i'm playing i'm like oh okay great so it's kind of weird how when you know kate and abby are so close together that we didn't experience that um we we experienced Abby's it felt like she caught up to Caden a lot faster but really what happened is we just we had Abby so close to Caden like they were only 15 months or 19 months apart right so they're they're very close in age although the, the our next child who's due in 4 weeks is going to be farther away from from Abby and Caden so so Abby and Caden I'm we're encouraging them to spend as much time as they can together and to get as long as much as possible because as I've explained to them, even though, you know, dad's going to be home on parental leave and mommy's going to be home with a new baby, we're all going to be home as a family, you two are still going to be required to kind of fend for yourself in, in the safest manner possible. So within the house playing, with you know, we're not going to go outside and play and and we'll see you in six hours. Um, but I just have a mental image of like Kane's right. got Abby in a headlock and he's punching her over and over. And Ryan's like, you guys should enjoy this time together. <laughs> this is this is the only time that you're going to have before there's a third child. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no, please don't. And, no, and, and they, they're just they're, like crying. They're pretty good. Honestly, where it gets bad is like it, when they steal each other's toys. That's where it becomes this real big thing. It's like I have to go over there and like. Caden, you don't even want to play with the Paw Patrol, you know, thing. You weren't even playing with it. You just want it because Abby wants it. And Abby, you only want it because Caden wants to take it from you. So both of you just awesome. sit down and enjoy the toy. Uh, <laughs> but but in terms of feeling guilty, I think um, I don't feel guilty when I plan something in advance. I feel incredibly guilty when I try to fit something in last minute, especially when it's like... same. I've got this, uh, I've been invited out to this weekend, I've been invited out to this movie, um, we're going to talk about, you know, a movie in a little bit, but uh, the one that really, and it's of my own doing, is uh, is video games, like a new video game comes and I'm like, Ashley, I really want to play this one, I've been waiting a while for it, I'm going to stay up late, and she's like, well that's going to mean you're tired tomorrow, I was like, yeah, don't worry, I'll be tired tomorrow, but we'll make it work, and I am such a grumpy asshole when I'm tired. <laughs> I can't help it. Not not enough you know coffee that. in the... I know it. And that's the thing. That's where I feel guilty even saying I'm going to stay up past 11 o'clock to play this game and tomorrow is going to be probably not Ryan and his A game. And I feel inc- that's the only... That's one of the few times that I feel incredibly guilty about making... I'm not even making time for my own personal you know, I, hobby enjoyment. I'm like... I'm literally crafting time and I'm exchanging awake ryan time for i'm gonna get another 20 minutes of this game so i find this hilarious just because like my you know stereotypical view of ryan is that he's just a super nice guy and so like for <laughs> for, for me it's like you're like oh i become a monster i don't become a monster i, 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 just, I, just I am really i am snap. The- I'm the worst, and then then it just cuts to Ryan with like barely <laughs> barely any sleep, and he's like, "Can I please have that coffee?" And, uh, Thank you very much, dear. I appreciate all you do. She's like, "God, what side of the bed did you wake up on this morning, Ryan?" <laughs> tone, <laughs> yeah, that tone. Pick it up yeah, a little. Come bit. on, man. Uh, no, I yeah. I think like 
yeah, I don't know. When I'm tired, I just I'm grumpy. Yeah, everybody's everybody's. Yeah, sort of I mean like that's that. that's a human. Everyone is that. I'm I'm that. You know, but it's of my own I mean, doing, it, right? Like that's where I feel really guilty. Where it's like this could have been avoided. I could have just enjoyed the three <laughs> hours of awake time, gone to bed, and then played another three hours the next night and been done with it. But your your point about like last minute dropping that's that's I got I always have to get better at that because really I've had people tell me. Like before being like, well, just, just let your wife know in advance or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I will. Like take, take this weekend. Uh, I'm supposed to play nerd games with Mike and Bo. And, and it was, it was put off a, a few times and, uh, and, uh, but I hadn't checked in lately and I was just like, oh, I just need to give her a heads up a few days before, but it kept slipping my mind. And as it kept slipping my mind, I was like, oh, it's going to become a bigger and bigger deal if I drop it at the last moment because <laughs> Jess will have like ideas of her weekend and all this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So your weekend is now this now. Right. You know? And, and so, so did you tell her, you're like, Oh, I'm going to get to it first thing tomorrow morning. No, no, no. I told her. It's like, it's this Saturday. It's all good, Michael. Um, incidentally, (laughs) as the host, I have to time manage here. And, uh, I had a topic I wanted to talk about a little bit before we got into things and I'm going to forgo it because I know that it doesn't, uh, pertain to everybody, but we're having a, a school striking thing. And I know Mike and I are, are having to deal with uh, taking more time off work than we would. Well, it pertains to and our guest host. So we should talk about it, right? It pertains to parenting too. Cause you don't, it's, it is funny. It throws you for a loopy. It's not something you factor in like, Oh, right. Strike. I it yeah. honestly didn't, it, it didn't come across like it'll, it'll affect me next year, but if it's still going on, which I hope it is, well, probably, but it won't affect you really in the sense that like, like, um, like your your wife does not work except on weekends and evenings, correct? Right. Yeah. No. I, good I, point. So she wouldn't. And I, I yeah. I'm going to be off work too, so I guess it wouldn't impact us at all. Yeah. If it, it would, keeps going, actually, it would be quite convenient. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Not really. I mean, we'd still have to deal with Caden, but right. <laughs> it's more like this because, like, you're you know you're going to have kids for um many years until they're not kids anymore uh and uh, you know these contracts are often you know two to four years or something like that so it could be like okay contract uh is up in four years you might be strikes again so this could rear its ugly head again in oh yeah so the context here for listeners is that in the province of ontario in canada where we live uh, the provincial government and the teachers uh, are at the negotiating table. And so there's striking going on. And I don't know necessarily, maybe Mike does the regulations behind it, but they don't just go on full strike. They go, they, they have like a rotational system where it's like one day every two weeks. And it became it's pure, one day. Purely a uh, union decision. They could go full on strike. They could, oh, yeah. they could. They could do full strike, but they don't. The, um, the, they don't do it because they'll be mandated back, right? That's the idea. W- yeah, I've heard that. They, well, they, yeah. So they're they're being they're being smart about it because um, I read something saying that like if they went on like okay they're going they're going to escalate go full on strike for two weeks they'll for sure be legislated back to work and if because I'm sure we also have a conservative leaning well conservative government uh, in this province who would love to legislate them back to work uh, but I've read that essentially it will be challenged in court if they do and they'll have very bad um, chances Chance. of winning yeah. because if they're doing these rotating strikes like so they, they take yeah. like one or two days a week it's going to be very unlikely that their legislation will stand up in court because you're going to be like well look they're, they're the kids are mostly in class so the union is being smart, but it does extend the process of strike. 
Right, exactly, and it puts less like less immediate pressure. But, but Mike and I were just lamenting before the show that, uh, you know, a week, a day off, a week for one of our the parents. Like, if you have two working parents, like, or it, you don't have necessarily support, um, or uh, becomes becomes tricky. Like, becomes tricky to to uh, manage. And uh, we're near the end of, of fiscal year in Canada here, which. Which for us means that we're going to get our leaves topped up, but like so, we're at the very end of the year where people have the least amount of leave um, normally, uh, and, and so I think people, you know, folks are starting um, to feel the pinch. And I, Mike and I both work somewhere where it's a, a, a pretty flexible work environment, but not everybody's in that that situation, right? So it's uh, for sure tricky. I I just want the record to show that I completely support the teachers on this. And, uh, they're the, um, a lot of the, the items up for discussion are not related to like, you think strikes. Pay, I know. Right? Yeah. I think pay most people do pay or benefits, but in this case, there's a lot more on the table with regards to, you know, size of classrooms, mm -hmm. e-learning for kids and like all, yeah. all sorts of stuff. It's the, my mother's uh, a teacher and, it's something that I've always appreciated uh, ever since I was a kid. And I think it's thanks to my mother and that she always educated us on like, you know, here's why teachers are important. Here's why education is important. And I have people in my life who say, oh, these teachers make too much. Oh, these teachers this, all oh, these teachers that. And coincidentally, they're also the people who wouldn't last an hour, let alone a day, let alone a year in a classroom of kids, they can barely handle my kids for 30 minutes. And that is my rebuttal to them every time when they say these teachers have too much because they, they really don't. And, and I know in Canada, our teachers are treated uh, very well, uh, even in comparison to the, to our country, uh, our neighbors of the South where teachers are treated like crap. Um, and again, like, like Croft and you said, this strike isn't just about, it's not about pay. It's about things that are actually going to affect your kids and then make your life more difficult because you then have to, you know, help your kids with uh, more homework because they're getting less direct time with the teacher, help them with their e-learning because there is no teacher. It's literally them doing their homework, a whole course by themselves, right? And I mean, I did online learning in college and it was tough. I can't imagine, I could not imagine doing it in grade school, let alone high school. Like that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, there, it, it is, it is a complicated one in that it's not just pay and, and it's, it is funny the people who are like, oh, teachers, they make so much money and they, and they get the summers off and like I, just that whole rationale or line of thinking always bothers me because it's, it's what I call race to the bottom. Like everyone wants to bring their brother down, you know, to be like, look how much money they, I, I thought of that. We had a bus strike not that long ago and people were like the bus driver makes 70 grand a year. And I'm like, so what? Like, I want him to make 25. I want him to good for the bus driver you know <laughs> like uh, <laughs> they work hard it, to get there right well that's it and it'd be like we shouldn't be trying to like hack everyone down to be like oh yeah teachers make good salaries yeah and so they should it is a hard job i could not be a teacher especially in kindergarten like every day when i drop my kid off and i see the chaos in the in the in the kinder yard i'm like good riddance to this and yeah. i don't know how they do teachers. it <laughs> because, um, uh, yeah it's like what witchcraft is this or you know what wizardry what is happening they do it great. I'm I'm also a, to a total supporter of the teachers, and I will also say 
of the students because there's this funny rhetoric where it's like oh you know our kids should be in class and i'm like bullshit kids should be roaming around being random kids <laughs> and when i was a kid i was telling this to graph the other day there was there was a week where there was a strike at my elementary school and i think i was in grade four or five probably like the right age to really enjoy it and i remember there was talk of a strike for for like a m- months beforehand there might be a strike and I, was, and I remember thinking please let there be a strike and then there was like uh in that period between like March break and the end of school, like where it's kind of a long haul. There was a week off and this was like, as a kid, this was the best. <laughs> I was like, I, I I still think back. I'm like, man, that time there was a strike at school. What an awesome experience. So like all these kids. I, I just like, I'm like rejoicing in the misery of all these, of all these, all these other parents. Like, he's like, <laughs> I, it was almost as good as that time. Little Timmy fell down the well and they had to close the school for the week. Oh, that was great too. Mandatory Another- grieving. <laughs> Well, when yeah. you're when you're a kid, that's like I mean, it's a totally one time. <coughs> one course. time, the the there was a snowy day, and the school bus was coming to pick me up, and the school bus slid into the ditch, and I was like, "Yeah!" All the kids <laughs> died, but but the school was closed for a no, month. No, they were only seriously yeah. injured. Yeah, uh, I know. But, uh, but yeah, like the thing is, like these ki- kids are getting these extra days off. Like these are glorious times for kids. I mean, but but instead, like I get that you know parents have troubles and look, I got to make different arrangements. And it's like well, we're a pampered society. We have it pretty, pretty good. Uh, and yes, this is a burden. Uh, but whatever, that's part of living in a free society. You know, sometimes people got to take up a fight. And I say more power to them. Like we're all gonna live. You know, your kids are still going to turn out all right. And uh, in the meantime, we just make the most of it. And I could spend extra time with my kid that I wouldn't otherwise. I'd be at work. So I say, hey, you know, just take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of living in a pampered society, let's move on to the uh, dungeon section of this podcast where we talk about all the fun things uh, that we are doing, sometimes with our children, more often than not, not with our children. Um, who wants to start us off? I feel like I should start with Mike as the guest. Uh, what yeah. are some things that you have been up to? And because this is, I know that you mentioned the the rock climbing and the, the all the outdoor stuff. You're like keep it, keep that stuff. Yeah, under keep, the table. keep no one keep wants that to hear stuff for your that. outdoor podcast. This is this is the dungeons. <laughs> this is downstairs. This is like the geek stuff. So what 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 have you been doing? Okay, well, I've started. It's funny. I've been meaning to bring this up with you, Crofton, because um, so I've been, I've been. This doesn't. It some ways seems like the lame nerd stuff, but I've been reading this fantasy book series lately, and I haven't read fantasy in in a long in a long time. I've been. I read a lot of nonfiction, uh, and recently, this one friend of mine, friend of yours too, Crofton Rob, lent me this book. And it was like a big, thick, you know, like a fantasy book. You're like, well, look at that. It's like 800 pages. That's a big book. And it had a really, well, I thought, lame title. It was called The, the Lies of Loch Lamora. Ooh. And I, I looked at the cover and I'm like, man, this looks like a bad Harlequin romance is what I thought. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't been in a, I read a, a Game of Thrones, like that series. But it's been forever since George R.R. R. Martin like, let's face it, he's going to die before he ever writes the yep. end of that. Yeah. We all know it. Uh, and and the, and, the, and the show, unfortunately, nobody... I'm in the cohort of, like, as soon as they stopped having the source material, it went to kind of garbage. They should so have anyways, waited. They uh, It shouldn't have mattered how much, how long it would have taken. They should have been like, nope, we're stopping, and uh, uh, we're asking George R. R. Martin to input a time skip just so yep. it works with the actors. The end. Because honestly, it's... Well, yeah, it was just like, there was... 
Time skip. (laughs) They're all super old. Like in the end, he's like, George R. R. Martin's like 102 and he dies. And he's like, there you go. And they get all the actors back. They're all elderly or whatever. (laughs) Whatever they have to do, right? But it's true. Like without the source material, because those are, they're great books. They're really fun to read for giant books. They're super page turners. Have you read any of them, Ryan? I haven't. I've only watched the show. I've talked about this on the show before. It's like, I wish I, I need to read more. And I think um, there he needs to learn how to read. He doesn't know how. <laughs> I know how to read. I know how to read. <laughs> I have to do the show notes. Yeah, he's, he, he doesn't. Does. He he doesn't even know what they say. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, okay. I I only I only know uh, how to say uh, dungeons, diapers, and it's a very very scripted show. And I I have cropped and write all my notes. No, um, I used to read a lot when I was in high school and 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 even college. But I think video games have sort of taken over my my free time but also with the internet i think i do i read all the time but it's all garbage for the most part it's all like how many times you can read the same article over and over again because we talk about the same thing over and over again i do need like a solid book that isn't based on anything that doesn't have anything based on it just a book a book series well I just told you it. Yeah, L- the Lenora, Lenora. Lies of Locke Lamora. The Lies of Locke Lamora. <laughs> uh, and, and then just like, so so yeah, it sounds so lame. And then, uh, but so, the other day, like I, I finished the first one and I think it's a, there's a three part. It's a three What's part. What's it about? Two. Is it about Loch Ness uh, Monster? It's, it's, no, it's a, it's a fantasy. And I, I think of Croft and I'm like, Croft would totally love this book. So it's fantasy. And so it's got this whole, this fantasy. Like I'm not going to describe like the world, but it's it's quite rich um you know it's sort of medieval-y esque but think more like like medieval kind of venice or like these kind of cities Hmm. but there's this anyways like i'm not gonna try to describe this like immense world that's created over the course of this book but it's really good fantasy and and it's kind of uh, revolves around uh this group of thieves and i was like this is totally up crofton's alley because let's face it if he could be a thief the kind of like you know, if you're ever playing a game with Cro- with Crofton, he always wants to be like the scoundrel, right? Like kind of like sort of like a thief who does bad things, but probably has a heart of gold somewhere down the there. The Han and that's, Solo type. Yeah. And that's basically what this book is. And I was like, this is this is Crofton's bread and butter. And it's also, I will say, you know, sometimes you read a book of fiction and it kind of like it can be like uh you know, you think of like really good literature that that kind of gives you an epiphany, or there's some really. This is not that. This is like a. <laughs> it is. It's. It's in some ways standard fare, but really well done. So you read it, and it's like you're just in an awesome movie that's super fun and like action packed, like good character development, good plot, like and 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 like these are big books, but you, you to me you know a good a good fantasy book is when you sit down and read a few pages and you just like I never keep track of where I am in the book. I just read a few pages and I'm like, oh man, I've I'm four hundred pages into this book and it didn't feel like anything. Because it just sort of flows and it's good and, and entertaining. But so I would recommend anyone who's looking for a good um fantasy read, something different. Cause when you go into a bookstore and you look at the fantasy section, man, like there's so much, and I've read some garbage fantasy, which had sort of turned me off fantasy for, for a while, um, and sci-fi too. When you read bad stuff in that, it can be like, oh, this is a lot of fluff and junk, but this is pretty solid, and uh, I highly recommend it. Do you remember who the author is? It's called Scott Lynch, I believe. Cool. And Ryan, just for, 
for, for if you used to do the reading like i got i was out of kind of reading for a while too but all i try to do is i keep a book beside my bed and i and i i've selling craft in this too because where it's hard to find time to read a little headlamp with a red light so you don't wake up your wife okay and, and i just read and sometimes i only read for like five minutes if i'm really tired but i try to make it like you know, you put down the phone because everyone says like it's bad to look at your phone. We all do it. I'm guilty of it too. You know, before you bed, you're looking at your phone or whatever. Put it down, pick up the book, put on your little headlamp, even if it's five minutes, but sometimes, you know, if it's a good book, you, you might be up a little, little you might might be grumpy Ryan in the morning. That's the only problem, right? Because <laughs> no, you're going to be like, it's a good book. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're going to be up to it. I, I, I think that's a great idea because honestly, I'm super guilty of, of having the phone bringing it to uh to bed and reading up on uh, not even reading up on anything just like checking the three apps you check to see what's going on yeah. like twitter and it's and like it's a, a terrible habit um i uh, yeah i should have a book and i should put it on my nightstand and read for 5 minutes and just uh well you can also have e- ebooks as well like i've read ebooks and um you know depending on how, how you want to consume it, it's not the end of the world although those big books sometimes are are fun to just you know get into and i like i know i prefaced that i was going to talk about this on the show before and it just came up with mike talking about this book i finished one of these 700 page monstrosities as well uh called uh, uh leviathan wakes which is um uh, the first book in the uh, Expanse series, which is a science fiction series that has been turned into a television show. Um, Ryan, have you read the book? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Have you watched the show? No, I don't have Amazon Prime. How dare you? No, I do actually have Amazon Prime. Um, I have not. I watched the first few episodes, and I could tell it was a solid show. But it's one of those ones where I'm like, there's okay. too many of these seasons. I can't start. Okay, so so um, I I read the book, uh, you know, cover to cover over the uh, a little while, and it's like Mike says, as you get into it, it it becomes like a real patron, and you start start reading a lot more. It's part of a multi volume series that these two guys uh, put together in a very short period of time. Like this book came out in like 2011, and there's like seven of them at this point. They put George R. R. Martin to shame, which is hilarious because one of the two was George R. R. Martin's assistant. Um, huh. So their name is Daniel Abraham and Good Ty credit. Frank, and uh, and uh, James S A Corey is their pen name. So even though it says James S A Corey, it's two it's two people, and it's funny because on the front That's of the book cool. is. Like, one of the book is like a a you know the the other authors that give like credit like this is an awesome book sincerely yours J.R.R. Tolkien you know huh. like well in the, Tolkien. <laughs> the ghost in, of J.R.R. Oh. In, in this case it's George R. R. Martin who has the cover quote and I'm just like that's bullshit he's like he works with you uh, but um, <laughs> I didn't but, know. incidentally Lock, the lies of Locke Lamora also has a George R. 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 Martin he's I, pretty I, easy let's that face guy it just writing uh, forwards and he's not writing his own yeah. damn books what's going That's on problem. he's got quotes left and right he's got a lot of time to read um but uh <laughs> anyway so george uh so the the the, the expand series the general concept is that it's sci-fi that's set um you know in the future quite a bit but the idea is that uh humanity has left earth but hasn't gotten really much further than the asteroid belt so we we inhabit mars earth um 
and uh, the belt, which is uh, the people that reside on the space stations in the belt, are called belters. Uh, and so there's these uh, essentially three factions, if you will. And then um, and, and hauling water or uh, from from like moons off Saturn uh, is is you know big business. Like they have a lot of it, it's a lot of sort of like dirty hard sci-fi in the sense that like they talk about um, you know uh, traveling uh, at 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 different um, G's and like they get injected with drugs so that so that their bodies don't tear apart or whatever so there's a lot of little details like that but it's not so far like the humanity hasn't left the solar system there's no aliens per se there's you know it, it, it's still something that you can sort of conceptualize and then the characters are really awesome and it's one of these books like you know how uh, the game of thrones books ryan you don't but let's just go with it um where each each uh each chapter starts with a different character like it bounces back and forth between different characters well in Leviathan Wakes, it's like each – there's two main characters. And so like you'll read one chapter and it's one and then the next chapter it's the other. And so there's these two plots and they obviously eventually merge, but it takes sweet uh, like quite a long time. So it's really annoying for like addictive page terminators because every chapter ends with like a cliffhanger, but it's only going to get resolved the chapter after next. <laughs> yeah. so, so you're like, god damn it, I've got to read like – two to get through and um and the two main characters have um different diametrically uh different views of kind of the world and uh that comes into play at the later part of the book and i find it's really is really awesome they're both awesome characters and it's really neat so following reading the first book i took a look at the expanse tv series and i was like can i watch this without spoiling myself because i want to read the other books but obviously it's going to take a long time and so they were, I, I pretty much figured out, okay, the first book covers season one and this first half is season two. So I, you know, my wife and I were looking for a show to watch. So we're like, okay, let's watch, watch The Expanse. And she's gotten into it and, and, and we've been enjoying it, but they have done stuff where they've taken stuff from future books mm. or different things. And like already I'm like, oh, this is annoying. Now I know this, it, and, you know, they've, they've meshed, meshed in so stuff. How, so how does it compare? Like, is it having read the book, which are usually way more detailed or whatever? How do you find the the show? So I'm like my my wife would be would say this. I'm really annoying to watch the show with, like really <laughs> annoying. Like every every two minutes, I'm pausing it and I'm like, okay. So in the book, that oh, guy no. doesn't even exist or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, just play the goddamn show. And so so um at first I was a book purist. I was like. The book is so much better because in terms of in terms of the details of the world and the the you know the how things work of it all, the book is really heavy on that. Also, the book is in the minds of two people. And so those people get really well developed in the book. And but what I, I recognized even at the end of the book is that comes at the detriment of most of the other characters because uh, you don't really know how the other characters think. If anything, like the pilot of the ship, one of the main characters, or one of, part of one of the main characters, posses, the pilot is pretty much defined by like three attributes uh, in the book. 
but that's not enough for an actor to really like flesh out a role or flesh out a character. So the show actually does better by the characters, although it does that by creating conflict sometimes where there was no conflict. Um, and that bothered me at first. I'm like, God, why are they all arguing? They don't do that in the book. And my wife said, just hit play. Would you goddamn hit play? Um, <laughs> you pause it, it every it, time. I do to make editorial remarks. Right. She hates that. Yeah. Um, the alternative it, is I talk over it. It's True. funny because uh, uh, watching Game of Thrones, which I had read the whole yeah. the series up to that point, and watched the show with my wife, but she usually appreciated the. She was like, because she, she would sometimes be like the old person in the theater who's like, "What's happening? Who's that guy again?" And I feel like, "Oh, so they're blah 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 blah, and this is the backstory. They're from this family or whatever." I think I do think my wife appreciates that sort of like I I do give that. Back, some of that backstory what she doesn't appreciate is the the constant bitching or commenting on how things are different because for her that doesn't even she doesn't she's not concerned about any of that so if i'm she like wouldn't oh. read them your, your wife is like a no she wants a huge reader right she yeah for sure she would she, i think she would be keen on on reading them but like bottom line we were looking for a show the timing didn't work out and i had the book because i was finishing it we finished it started watching the series i think that she would watch it however i will say like and the show is less like this because they've brought in some other characters. It's like the two main characters are both men. It's a male dominant. Like right. it, I would say, it's a. It appeals to men more. It's male dominated in that regard, um, and so like it doesn't have that instant grab that my my wife would find a character that is relatable to her. You know, right off, uh, where I could see myself specifically in one of the two main guys. I'm like, oh yeah, I. I, I I can relate to this character. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, uh, I will say that uh, I'm planning on reading the rest. I'm planning on watching up until the, the show, until it gets to the end of the book that I'm on. And it, and the show does a really good job with the budget it has in particular to, to bring the books to life. I would recommend both. Hmm. So uh, there's a, uh, there's two books for you, Ryan, yeah. two oh, series. No. I appreciate that. I appreciate that recommendation because I find sci-fi. I'm very picky about sci-fi more than I am about fantasy. But that sounds like solid sci-fi. Like I like the kind of like, you know, they haven't got that far from Earth. That stuff really appeals to me because it seems more based in reality than like, you know, you read like Dune or something, yeah. which is sort of sci-fi. And you're like, yeah, what? The, this may as well be fantasy. It's just. Oh right, yeah, exactly. And and there is a the the last thing I left out, which is probably important is it's also a mystery um there's a mm -hmm. there's um there's a mystery that that connects all of this and oh there's the tension between the three factions in the background uh but the mystery uh one of the two characters is truly modeled off like film noir and noir mm -hmm. type characters uh and so his chapters and he's a detective so his chapters are very very much in that in that vein as well so you're like curious to like okay yeah figure this out who's behind it or whatever right so there's that element as well that's solid oh and that just reminds me because that's a you did a good job kind of put another frame on it the book i was talking about is like a heist and which again i think would appeal to you crofton so it yeah. has that fantasy that stuff, but it's also, yeah and the second book too which i'm into a little bit is also definitely got the heist element and a bit of casino heist medieval style it's good anyways yeah. on to run to run yeah, Ryan, what's up? Well, uh, I didn't read a book. Uh, I went to Come the on, movies Ryan. twice. Oh, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> well, one movie we're going to talk about a little later when we get into the diapers, but the movie I did not see with the kids, definitely don't recommend you take the kids to see this, is uh, 1917. 
uh i got a chance to go see that it's a world war one movie again do not do that. <laughs> so not too many animated characters i guess well you know there's a lot of cg but uh th- this movie Corpse so i had the opportunity to head out on my own and see this movie and i love uh you know i i like war movies uh i was particularly fascinated with world war one uh in in history class in high school um i didn't think i would enjoy history class but i ended up really really enjoying it taking it twice uh you have to take i had to take one in high school and then i took it again as an elective and and actually uh looked at taking world religions as well which is sort of kind of like a history class all on its own um, so it wasn't like you got like a 30 percent the first time around and no a lot of and a lot of people <laughs> would would you know then i remember in high school there was like the uh, they had what was it academic and applied and uh, a lot of people wouldn't take the academic because the teacher was very strict. He was like teaching you how to take crib notes in terms of getting you ready for university essays. And then the applied class was like, it was the teacher that essentially ran the broadcast club. So he was like the wacky guy, like it's Friday, you know, um, that kind of teacher. <laughs> great, all, both great teachers, but very different ways of of uh, of, of teaching you all about. Uh, the lovely atrocities of of the world wars. <laughs> One of the most horrendous wars. Yeah, yeah and I mean, you, I don't. And then they crossed the marginal line. Yeah, I don't think you. I, I don't. I don't. I think. I think it's really tough to teach uh, the intricacies of world wars uh, when you got the "It's Friday" teacher kind of screaming to you about battle tactics of Alexander the Great. Um, but you know, I. And World War One was particularly fascinating because, again, it was after, you know, humanity had uh, sort of stepped into the the gunpowder age, and it was you know doing a lot of, it was trench warfare, and it was very dirty, very messy, very bloody. Um, and then you wonder, man, how did how did we all come back to this thirty years later? And you know, in World War Two, and then, so 1917 is this movie, and it's 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 set up the gimmick, quote unquote, is that it's one continuous shot. Uh, the cinematography of it is it's one continuous shot. And of, of course, this is fabricated. It's not like it is yeah. one continuous <laughs> shot. In my uh, head, I was thinking that. I'm like, that is an insane choreography. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but there are still these shots that are like, this is done in one shot. Right. They had to do it in, you know, get the take. And there are some moments in this film where you're like, I know they have trickery to kind of stitch the scenes together, but there's no way they did this without having this long a lot of long walk and talks a lot of you know very intricate effect shots where they had to you know you had to hit your mark and you know there's a specific moment where i'm not going to spoil it but there's a specific moment where the character's running and there's a moment that's believable in the film where he runs into another character and he falls and then he gets back up and he keeps going but you find out later on in the making of like no he accidentally ran into that extra and just kept running and they kept that shot. It fits so well in the chaos of World War One, but in in the script, it was never supposed to happen. He was just supposed to make the run, right? Um, the but, the yeah. only the, the only part that they they cut out was when he's like, "Fuck Terry, go back to catering." <laughs> yes. God damn it! What the hell? What, I, what the hell, Terry? They just made an explosion in the background. So yeah, yeah, you know you're you Terry. Yeah, Terry's just like, a oh, so sorry. A question about yeah. that that one shot because I had heard about that one shot the one shot concept and I yeah I get it there's trickery throughout so that sure. it's not actually one shot but 
when you're watching the film, because I, I there's other films that are that are like this with their their one shots or that try try this sort of stuff. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about that? Like, um, maybe early, like because they lean on it and they're like, oh, it's the one shot movie. I think early on you're you're paying attention to it. Like right at the beginning, you get the setup of, you know, there's this, uh, there's there's these two quote unquote friends or sort of people who have kind of come close together as they've survived the war, uh, or have been surviving the war. Allies, I guess you could you could call them, and uh, and they they're like talking, and then someone walks up and says, "Hey, you know, command wants you," and then as that shot is is sort of progressing, there's no cut. So essentially, like, they had to know all their lines as they're sitting down. They had to know their lines as the person approached them. They had to know their lines as they walked through the entire trench system to get to command. And it's just this long back and forth, this long walk and talk. And that, to me, was the first part of, like, holy shit, these guys know their lines. That's the biggest thing for me. And then you start to look for those moments, like, oh, the camera will strategically pass by someone's backpack in which they can you know, stop the shot and, and reset it. Or the camera will will pass through like a piece of fabric as they're walking into um, into a, a building that has a, like a sort of a cloth um, uh, divider, you know, those sort of things. So you do notice it early on and you start to pick it out of like, oh, that's where they cut it. Oh, that's where they cut it. And then it just, it fades into the background and then you just enjoy the film because honestly... It was a. It was a, It's probably my favorite movie of of. Uh, I guess I saw it in 2020, but I, it came out in 2019 or maybe. Anyways, it's my favorite movie that I've seen in a long time, probably since Endgame. And I know Crofton, you and I were talking about: Is there going to be movies that require you to go see it in cinema? And 1917, I think, is one of those films that proves there are these movies that you need to see on the big screen to fully appreciate it, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not arguing that. Mm. I'm arguing is there with the end of Star Wars, the end of like Marvel sort of resetting and all of that, are there any movies that will get everybody out to theaters like that line up that become True. these ev- events. And 1917 I think did well, but to to my knowledge like nobody there was no like pre-sale across the globe for 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 the film where everything was sold out or whatever i'm talking about event movies like we're we're at a point where with the rise of skywalker out and all that um i don't know what the next event movie is and i think it must maybe it's avatar 2 or something like yeah that. no you're right it's not it's not an event yeah. movie but it's a movie that that is uh, made better to be seen right yeah and and, you know the sound was superb the story is is amazing it it reminded me so much of of all the things i learned uh in in history class and i really enjoyed those don't tell me who wins the war no well yeah the only problem i had with it and again it might just be um i think in world war ii we we see in our in our sort of uh in our media and of course you know nazis bad you know, everyone allied with Nazis bad, everyone else good. There was a good versus evil there, and it was very easy to pick out, of course, because of all the, the terrible things the Nazis were doing. And then you look at World War One, and I, I wasn't sure whether it was that cut and dry. I think it was just like a series of unfortunate treaties that sort of led to this giant conflict. It was about nothing. Yeah. World ex- War One was a complete, like, aristocrats causing stupid wars, like... Yeah, it wasn't like the 
they're almost all wars are pointless. World War Two is like the one where you're like, oh yeah, that was uh, that that one had the just thing going on. But yeah, we're, we're the the cause of World War Two was the you know the end of World War One being yeah, the German days and yeah yeah, the, yeah and G- the Germans feeling that they've been unfairly treated and the, yeah. and Hitler using that to to you know yes, push his ideas absolutely led into it. But so not only is World War One an abomination in in and of itself, and you're right, Ryan, first modern war, first time they have aircraft that are barely planes in the sky that they have the uh, they have the trench warfare, they have you know uh, people shooting at each other. Uh, um but but also directly led into world war ii so is is the impetus for another huge massive war so mm-hmm. a, a very depressing and no no good guys type or, or difficult difficult to find the good guys um, yeah in it. but i guess like where where my only criticism while i was at the end of the film i was thinking oh, there's one thing i didn't truly maybe see about it is that um the the two characters you follow are fa- fairly young. There's one really young guy who's obviously they've both seen the war for what it is, but one has experienced more of it. Like he was awarded a medal, and they're like, "Oh, where's your medal?" It's like, "Ah, oh, I don't know. I traded away for a bottle of wine or something." Like this guy's seen the atrocities. He's he's survived the atrocities. The other guy, he's a little more green. Um, but one of the critic, one of the things I I wasn't, I didn't really appreciate is that even even the guy who's seen some things. And the green the guy, the green guy does it as well. Is they always give uh, the the Germans seem to be evil for evil's sake. Like they don't accept help, they don't accept mercy. They're just they're just portrayed as these really really the, well. They're portrayed as the bad guys, and and the and the allies, the good guys. They're in the movie. They seem to always give the Germans the benefit. They they seem to give the Germans the benefit of the doubt um, on certain occasions. That it's like, oh, what are you doing? Like that was the only thing that kind of fell off to me is that they did try to portray that good versus evil mm-hmm. side where these people are being good for the yeah, detriment the- of themselves. Um, yeah. But it's few and far between those moments and they don't really, you know, pull you away that much. Uh, but by the end of the film, you're just, I just, I, I, I let out a, a huge sort of sigh of like, Oh, it's over in the sense that it is that ride and it ends mm-hmm in such a way where you are right there with the characters as you just slump back in your seat and you just like let out a breath, a, a breath of fresh air. And then I, I was that, like moved. I was like, Oh my God, that pretty crazy. Much, you pretty much told me all the characters survive or the character, the main character survive. You're like, cause why would you release that breath if they were dead? <laughs> I mean, they, like you it, bastard, you ruined it. No, I mean, like, think about it. Like, how else? I didn't. Yeah, you're right. Like, I guess if you really want to read into it. (laughs) Oh, thank God. I thought that guy was dead, but he's alive. And I'm going to let out this breath now. Yeah, I can't wait to tell everyone. (laughs) I think it was just at the end of the movie. I I let out a sigh of of relief that it was over, but in a good way. Like the tension. Yeah, there was a lot of tension. And it just uh, it's a great film. I highly recommend, and even if you can't go out and see it in theaters, I think it's still worth seeing. You know, in your own, you know, setup. I would, I, I would love to see this in 4K. Like, I think it's another one of those films where I would consider picking it up in 4K to watch it again. The only other 4K film I have is like Into the Spider Verse, and I, I kind of want to see this one in 4K. I want to show it to Ashley too because she didn't, she didn't come out and see it with me. So, um, <laughs> I, I want <wanted>, what. <laughs> 
I just I a romantic just evening. Uh, no, it's of, of uh, atrocities and it's not as like it's got you know it's got the trench warfare, it's got the muddy pits, it's got the no man's land. So there's some grossness to it, but it's still an engaging story of these these two soldiers that are trying to essentially what's happening is there's an attack and this is all in the trailer. There's an attack going on, and uh, the, the the British think. The Germans are retreating, so they're going to go after them. But really, it's been a, a strategic retreat. Communications have been cut off. So essentially, the British are walking into a trap. So they pick out these two soldiers, one of which is the younger brother of someone in that who's going on the attack. So they send them. They, we have to send you across no man's land to tell them to stop the attack because they're heading into a trap. That's the story. These two people just heading across this great span of distance to try to stop this these uh this um what regiment from going into basically charging into a trap so not to cut not to uh to cut off your brian because mm. you know, no, that's pretty much it. A, a great distance i recognize that we have gone a great distance already and we have the diaper section uh to conclude the section most focused on parenting and that sort of that sort of stuff um, and so why don't you, as you are on a roll, Ryan, and I think have some notable news, uh, just go right into what has gone on with uh, Ryan and Ashley lately. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell, uh, I, I can save my other story. Uh, you know what, I'll, I'll just tell this one really quick. So essentially, um, as everyone knows, Ashley is uh, eight months pregnant, heading into our ninth and final month of pregnancy and we hope that is the case but we had a we had a false alarm so just i'll skip to the end i'll spoiler alert this essentially everything's fine baby's still in belly everyone's doing great however i got a call at work last week around 3 30 I, I don't pick it up because i'm in a meeting and then uh i get another call and it's ashley again calling me so i call her right back i'm like hey what's up and she's like uh i think my water broke and i'm like okay well uh this is happening you're sure because <laughs> ashley's quote unquote uh her i don't want to be insensitive but her water did, did break with caden but it was to the point where and this is natural uh she thought maybe she had just you know peed a little bit because that's what happened pregnant women it happens uh it's totally natural uh, it turns out her water had broken with Caden, so it was good we went to the hospital. It's always good to get checked out. So with this instance, it was like, no, like this was my water broke. We have to change the sheets. Uh, my socks are drenched, <laughs> you know. And I come home. It's like we don't. Our birth plan is essentially put the kids in the van, go to the hospital. First one there takes the kids, or at least entertains them at the Tim Hortons downstairs. Uh, yes, we have a Tim Hortons in our hospital. So. I, I like how you have that right. I like how he'd have that written out as the birth plan. Like I remember our midwife being like, "Can, can you write out what you would like for your birth can plan?" Hose. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "So downstairs at hospital, Timmy hose double double with the kid with the kids." Yeah, no, like, that's essentially what I did. Oh God! Right. Uh, well, here's Keep the going. thing. Here's the thing. I uh, our birth plan with Caden was very easy because we had no kids. We just like we go to the hospital. These people are allowed in the room. This is what Ashley wants. Uh, she wants to do it naturally. That sort of thing. With Abby, it was like whoever who's going to take Caden, who doesn't want to be in the room, then they can take Caden. And at this point, it was uh, Ashley's older sister didn't want to be in the room, so we just 
yeah, drop them off. They don't have kids uh, at that stage, so they were able to take them. But now we have two kids. This older sister has a kid now. Uh, everybody's working. Everybody's busy. So it's like essentially whoever cuts to the hospital first, even if it's my parents who, who drive up if they get there first. But um, so essentially it was like that's what we had to do. And it was six weeks early, so we didn't have anything written in stone. It was just, well, call your. Well, I'm calling your mom. She, she, whoever can make it to the hospital first can take care of the kids because it's like it's not like you're going to give birth in 20 minutes. It's going to take time and people can get here. It's not a big deal. So we get there, we go upstairs, we get checked in, and they run some tests and essentially say, okay, you you guys have to leave the room as we do some of these tests because the kids can't be here, obviously, because it, it was we were in the assessment room, uh, which is essentially like a ward. Uh, so there are a bunch of other people. And it was crazy busy. Like when you overhear the nurses saying, oh, I don't know what's going on tonight, but everybody's giving birth, not a great time to be having a baby because you might be having it in the hallway, right? So I was like, oh, kind of not freaking out yet because I, I couldn't because I had the kids with me and obviously Ashley is like maybe giving birth. So I was like, okay, I got to be the the calm one here. So I take the kids downstairs and, and we, we go to Tim Hortons and I get them Tim bits and they're fine. They're doing fine. And then I get a text from Ashley and she's like, oh, we can go home. And I'm like, what? Okay, uh, we're downstairs. Just meet us at the Tim's. So she comes downstairs and she says, Oh yeah, it was just extra extra fluid. And I'm like, that's like something I tell myself so I don't have to think about having a kid six weeks early. You know? And it turns out it's what? perfectly natural. That it's extra fluid? Extra yeah, it was just extra fluid and sometimes uh it feels like your water broke and I guess t- kind of technically did, but it's not the water that it's not the quote unquote water that uh that keeps the baby, you know, happy and healthy, right? It's just extra fluid. And I was like, wow, wild. Um, yeah, that's intense. So, yeah, it was like essentially I was thinking to myself like this was I've got a trade show this weekend that I have to do. I have an interview the next day. I'm not going to be able to do any of that because I'm going to have a, a premature uh, child to take care of. Uh, but of course I wasn't trying to think about that because how many weeks premature would it be, right? Six weeks, six weeks. So enough that it would have had to, the baby, uh, would have had to stay. And the reason I accidentally say it or the baby is because we don't know the gender, but the baby would have had to been in the, in the NICU probably for a couple of weeks. I would say, you know what you should do? Hmm. You should do a gender reveal with roll up the rim. Huh? Uh, (laughs) oh, it's digital (laughs) now. Did you hear about that? Oh yeah, I did. That's gonna last all of one year. Yeah, probably. Um, the uh, just uh, just out of curiosity, is there a good likelihood that this will be our last Dungeons and Diapers episode before I... birth? The like, I mean, you're probably gonna like if it's two weeks. Let's would... jump two weeks ahead. Yeah, two weeks would be fine. I think I think right. in two weeks we'll have an episode, and then two weeks after that we'll be we'll be cutting it close because the due date is essentially the thirty first, and if history says anything, um, we've always gone due date plus plus, so uh, a couple days after the due date or around, you know, the due date. Both Caden and Abby, I think, were born two days after the initial lockdown of, of Tell- the due date. 
tell Ashley absolutely no pressure, but yeah. it would be really good for our ratings and or listens <laughs> if she could if she could potentially give birth while we're recording the next episode. Yeah, like you so want like, her to run into the room and be like, Ryan, be you like, need to stop Ryan! recording. Stop right now. And then I would continue the show. Like the show must go on right into the end. Yeah. And I would be, I would be like, I'm che- I'd check my phone. I'd be like, guys, I'm following with Ryan right now. Uh, his trip to the hospital. It was a live podcast, the birth, yeah. which is not very exciting. Cause it's, he's it's- at the, he's at the Tim Hortons downstairs guys right now with the kids. Oh man. If she could time it. So it's during roll up the rim. Think of all the extra coffees I could get. Oh man, it would be crazy with all that excess your fluid. Your go up. Um, <laughs> so your husband. Speaking of uh, odds going up, look in terms of time. Um, I I recognize we're a bit tight, and so I will cut into. I don't have a ton of stuff to say other than I mentioned last time that that I'm teaching Gwen to ski, and we've been skiing a few more times. I think she thinks strike days are the best because we always end up going skiing, um, and we've been playing a new uh, a switch game. Yoshi's Crafted World. We're nice. still playing it. It's super awesome. It's awesome to play with her. I'll talk more about it next next episode. Give more time for our guest to talk about some of the parenting stuff that he's been up to. So, Michael, what would you like to highlight? Um, hmm. I mean, how about sleep difficulties with your oh. annoying children? Oh, with your uh. like in, in <laughs> speci- this is the thing about sleep difficulties is it. That they can be totally different for every oh, broad you know, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it could There's just be like because Ryan's about to have like another baby who could be colicky and waking up oh, every God. like two hours or whatever. He could be <sighs> just mentally and physically exhausted, and we I know how he gets right. <laughs> He's gonna be a real a hole for a yeah, long that's time. Right. grumpy <laughs> AF. Um, so, but but for for kids that are like getting getting older, there can be all sorts of reasons. They can be scared of the dark, night terrors. They can be whatever. So, what's the deal? Well, Michael? I think maybe maybe it's it's it probably encompasses a more uh, broad thing that, that my son struggles, which was which I think uh, is separation anxiety. Hmm. Uh, whereas he's like likes his parents close by, specifically me. He's very attached to me. I was I should also say I was off work for two years when he was um a toddler so he never went to preschool he was always with me mostly or or his group one of the one of the grandmothers my mom um so i guess yeah he didn't have that uh, sort of um a daycare experience so i i think you know that that could be something to do with it he's always been a sensitive kid but the, the bottom line is you go to go to sleep and we were trying to get him like out of the bed he slept in our bed for a long time which i was like kind of cool with i don't know if you guys have done any of the um kind of like family bed stuff i, I think croft i mean i know croft and you're i know you're set up a little bit but ryan you ever have the are the kids in the bed with you sometimes uh, not not really um they so here's the thing like caden and abigail both love their space and they hate like sleep some sometimes caden will come in the bed when he's sick and he'll sort of just hang out but that's usually in the morning but they've always appreciated um, their space there was a moment when Caden was first transitioning to the bed where he would want us to sort of lay beside him but as soon as he was out he was out man that's a very different experience that I have had <laughs> it, it, I know we're incredibly note, lucky of note Mike um, last week or, or sorry last episode Ryan was talking about and this blew my mind oh. um, the fact the fact that he is put you know 
Caden and Abigail into that because the the baby needs the room, right? And so the two the two kids are being put into the to a room together. Uh, and, and how how old is Abigail? Abigail's two and a half. So like two and a half, so just a little bit older than Clara. It would be like if I put Clara and a younger version of Gwen in the same room. It just blew my mind. Anyway, so uh, yeah, they're so they're sharing a room and <clears throat> they're doing. They've it was a, it was a transition for sure, but they they're doing great. And Abby is even better than Caden. Like Abby, when she goes to bed, she's tired. Like she lays down, she's good to go. And then the only problem is in the mornings. Our mornings have slightly decline in the sense that we would probably usually get a good solid to seven o'clock but now it's it's 6 30 right on the dot and we use a um they're called grow clocks and that's yep. really helped uh with them with them too because abby we have a little you know not a lock but a little um challenge handle on the on the door i don't think that's what it's actually called <laughs> i don't think it's a challenge handle it tases her <laughs> yeah essentially it's yeah. like she's like the velociraptor in jurassic park that's how we have to treat her um no uh it's just this little thing that goes around the doorknob and you have to kind of abby if you're listening you know sh- shut your ears right now but uh you have to stick your fingers into the holes and then pinch the door handle to open it caden can do it abby can't so Abby will will wake Caden up at six, or try to wake Caden up and say, "Hey, open the door for me." And Caden and we've told Caden, "No, you're not allowed to open the door for Abby uh, until that clock turns orange, or there's an emergency." Uh, so Caden's been like, "Go back to sleep." So they've it's worked out for us that way. But I think we've gotten incredibly lucky in that. Well, I Caden don't understand likes to sleep. why why you can have multiple kids when that's how yeah i know like I know. my son and nothing he has in, uh, incredible willpower always has <laughs> so if he wants to get like for, for example i guess uh, <clears throat> when we first tried to sleep train him when he was probably six months and he was you know a tough baby colicky you know the whole about as hard as you can get probably and uh, we had read the sleep guide about how you sleep train a baby and it was like and i i recall we did we were we were in canmore alberta at the time because i've been off work we're like let's go someplace with the kid and then uh so the guide was like this one was like in my 30 years of sleep training children i've never seen a child cry more than two hours uh when first put down um from the first night of your sleep training uh so my son cried for two and a half hours and threw up twice in that time. Oh, wow. It was horrible. Uh, whereas most people, it's like, yeah, it's 45 minutes. It's not pleasant. And the next night it's down to 20 minutes or whatever. Like it was, he I has like a how ton of willpower. That would be his claim to fame. You know, it'd be like, he's like, yeah, you think that's years, good? Baby. Two years, two hours. I can beat that. Um, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, I got this. No problem. Uh, so, and that's similar. So we had gone through this exercise of trying to like sort of sleep train him again. Cause he was staying in her bed and I am the type who is like, I'm not opposed to like the family bed, but I'm more robust. I'm bigger than, than my wife. You know, if I, I'm getting like elbows and stuff from my kid, who's now five, he's bigger. It didn't just didn't bother me that much. I'm less, but she was like not getting good sleep. So she's like, okay, that's, that's enough. Um, got to get out of the room. And then, so it's been this transition, but we had a couple of middle of the nights trying to keep him in the room, three in the morning, he's screaming for an hour. And it's just like, this is not working for me. Uh, and I'm like, I can't do this to my son either. Some people are just like, just hold the door closed. And I'm like, I can't do it. And I don't sort of believe in that. Everyone has their own styles and I'm, that's not my style. I can't do it. But, um, and shout out to Jesse Crofton's better half. She had suggested trying some melatonin. 
Buddy, Mel- I was gonna, she suggested drugging him. She <laughs> did. <laughs> well, melatonin. Yeah, you got to do for those, for those who don't know. Um, is uh, the sleep hormone. We all have it. It occurs naturally when you're getting sleepy and you can buy it over the counter. So I wasn't just like, all right, sweet Jesse, hook me up and now I'll just drug my kid. I was like, maybe I should consult a doctor first <laughs> uh, because I, you know, I Googled it and they're like, okay, it's unclear. And I had ran into a neighbor who had a similarly anxious child because like when I would, when we'd leave him in his room, you know, he would just scream and ball. It'd be an hour. He'd be up come back in every 10 minutes he's scared he's it's just like oh it was just our, our evenings were horrible um met this uh, neighbor of ours who was a family doctor kid also suffered from this type of problems she was like yeah i did the melatonin it was a total game changer asked my doctor about it she's like you know what i think it's fine it's no problem so like the first night we gave him the sleep the melatonin put him to go up to bed he's still a little bit nervous 10 minutes to sleep and it's been like that ever since. And I'm like, oh my god, I should have been drugging my kid from the start. <laughs> it's just a, so it's now, a real game changer. Just like, is it now? Um, you you still do it regularly, or is it at a certain point that you don't do it anymore? Like, how does well, it work? So the neighbor, who was also a, a doctor, she said she did it with her daughter for um, three months, and then was able to get to get him to get her her daughter off it. The idea is that what you're doing is breaking a cycle. So like if kids have this fear of bed, anxiety, scared of the dark, all these normal things Interesting. that what you're trying to give them is an experience of like, you go to bed, you feel sleepy and you go to sleep. Uh, and as opposed to anxiety and I'm alone and this kind of thing. And, um, so I'm like, okay, I like that mentality. So we're going to do it for a few months and then we might try a placebo, just give them like a multivitamin. Cause it's like mm-hmm. a little gummy and then see how that works. And if we can transition off of it, during this whole thing, it made me think a lot about because, um, you know, he had a lot of fear at night. And and as a kid, I recall, like, I have a pretty good memory of my younger years. And I remember, like, terrible nightmares and just feeling irrationally terror that, that, that I do not experience as an adult at all. So it's interesting to remember that so vividly. Uh, and it also makes me think a lot about, like, I think most of human history, you know, people, kids slept with their parents. Like, that's just the truth. And I was talking about this with a with a colleague of mine, and he grew up in Antigua, which is a Caribbean island. And he was like, he kind of was just like, whatever, just let the kids sleep in the bed. He's like, my kids slept in bed. He's like, you know what? The whole rest of the world, the kids sleep in your bed. It's really only in like our rich countries where we're like have these big houses. Well, it's I, cultural. It's for so, sure cultural. No, here's the thing. I I'm not necessarily disagreeing, except for the fact that like it used to be. Through most of human history, everybody was like Ryan popping out kids day in, day out. You know, like there, there would be there, <laughs> yeah, there would be like yeah. nine kids. So your five year old or your six year old or your four year old, they were definitely not sleeping in your bed because you had three other kids in your bed. You know, so like, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I would. It was there was just like people were just in small houses. Like think about most people were peasants. It's probably like there was a big sleeping area. Everyone just slept there. So. My point only is like I have one an only child, which again, in terms of human history, is is not normal. Most people had more kids. Of course, in the history, they mostly all died. Uh, it's sad, but true. Uh, but uh, so I got one kid, so he's alone. Because I also know some other people who have the two kids, and they just sort of like like my two nephews. They now sleep together. Uh, right. Some other friends of ours, yeah, they just put the two kids in the same room, and it's like you're scared. You just go and cuddle up with your sibling. And, uh, but so he's an, so he doesn't have a sibling to go and if you feel scared, you know, snuggle up with, um, and he's got his own room and stuff. So anyways, now we have this kind of like, um, 
a happy medium where he still does come into a room in the middle of the night because I couldn't do the middle of the night screaming matches um, where he's losing it. So now he sleeps in like, I call it like a dog bed next to my, next to me. He doesn't come in a bed. There's like That's this nice. little like, I'm like a little dog bed and my little buddy curls up there and I don't mind it at all. I'm like, whatever. If he feels, if, if he's having a tough time and like he wants to but sleep. But not every floor. night. No, every night he comes in at like, two in the morning or something it varies oh okay oh it, like in the middle because it's his habit but he used to do that and come into our bed and then kick yeah. andrea and me and no one slept very well yeah um, like caden so, he yeah. i we did so we have a we have like a little tv room downstairs for the kids uh and it's got a bed that's where my my parents sleep when they when they come over for a couple days and we did this, I think it was around Christmas. I thought, oh, you know, it'd be really fun. Let's do a sleepover. And, you know, Abby was still in her own room. So she went to bed in her crib. But Caden and I, we stayed up, we watched a movie. And then he fell asleep in the bed. And, and then I slept down there as well. And we had a sleepover. And it worked really well, except, and Caden slept through the night, except he rolls around and he kicks any elbows. And he is just, he's atrocious. Yeah. He, he loves so <laughs> much space. And, um, I think that's why he doesn't like sleeping in our bed because he knows there just isn't enough space for him, me, and I'm a big guy. And yeah, there's just not enough, uh, there's just not enough space, right? Well, kudos to him for being like understanding that. Cause my son is similar. Like oftentimes he would be he would be perpendicular to us in our bed. So we're both sleeping, you know, front to back, my wife and I at either corner of the bed and he's sleeping like we're, we're, we're formed like an H here in the bed uh because he sprawls that much and turns around so yeah it's but i'm like and my daughter go in your own bed my daughter who is six weeks younger than mike's uh mike's son um like when i go and i check on her like when i head up and stuff it's always funny because she's like three she's clearly 360ing all night like uh, (laughs) like she's always and i think that that's like a kid thing like i think they they, they do that i i just want to say to to mike's story because like right now we're in a good sleep space um however uh you know like clara's always been a great sleeper despite the fact that she gets up pretty much guaranteed at 5 45 5 50 every morning which is way too way too early <laughs> um yeah i know that sucks but she she goes to bed you know like she sleeps at like her at 7 30 and then goes right through to like 5 50 or whatever and there's no wake up so that's great and then the, then gwen the five-year-old is uh is she also like had a lot of a lot of similar stuff to to what um mike's son ivan had and we got a sleep consultant uh, this was a couple of years ago and so there's like no harm there are people that are professionally trained in 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 this sort of stuff and i know it seems like like a first world luxury oh you got a sleep consultant but like there is nothing more valuable than sleep both for like the kid but for you in the couple like mike and andrea are recognizing like oh geez this is not working out for us we are not getting the sleep or the rest that we need that's super important and for us it was you know it was a similar thing um but also was cutting into our personal time because putting Gwen to bed every night was taking an excessive amount of time because she would only fall asleep if somebody was in her room. And then like me, I sleep everywhere. So what would happen is I would fall asleep in a room early, like at seven 30 or something. And then I'd be screwed for the night. Like I just go right to bed or whatever. So, so it wasn't working really out for, for me as well. So we, we got the sleep consultant. We followed the steps. We did, um, 
and now where we're at, at least with Gwen, and I think this is natural to Mike's point about like being a kid and being scared. Um, she just, we have to, one or the other parent has to be on the same floor as her when she falls asleep. And she will like, we'll put her to bed and she'll come in and check and she'll ask some bullshit question that she's made up to come in to talk to us. Uh, and, and then uh, we'll be like, yes, we refilled your water, blah, 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 blah. She'll go and then she'll go back. And for the most part, she will then um, go to sleep. Uh, it, it takes her maybe a little while. But if somebody leaves, if like Jesse were to go downstairs today because I was doing the podcast, if she then Gwen would not be able – she would be – she would come get us. She would be like, I need somebody upstairs. And so that's still like we're still limited in in that regard, uh, but it works for it's at a point where it works it works for us. So we're we're. Um, it's we're funny that's it. a bit similar. What we've been well, we instantly did have a sleep consultant as well who put us through some of these steps, including the like hold the door while your kid screams. And I, I think it was probably similar to the guide I read where she's like, I've never seen a kid hold out longer. And I'm like, well, you haven't met my kid. And, uh, and at one point I had this, this sort of thought of like, I have no doubt that if you take someone in distress and put them in a room after enough time, they will eventually give up. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. My aim is not to break my child. Like that's not my aim. Uh, my aim is good sleep. And, and, and this sleep consultant, she did not. I don't think the sleep consultant's aim is to break your child. Her her response was, you just keep holding the door. He screams, he breaks his stuff. Breaks I'm his sure it was take, more complicated. No, it was take that. everything out of the room and just keep doing it. And I'm like, and I had no, I have no doubt that if I had kept doing that, eventually he would have complied. I have no doubt. I just, it is a tactic that is not going to work for me. And I also think that she... Well, again, this is just my experience with a sleep consultant. I think her plan was totally good for a kid with no anxiety, for a kid who has other sleep issues. Uh, and I think because I, I know this, I see this the, the separation anxiety in other situations uh, when I leave my kid. Uh, so she did not have the tools to deal with anxiety. And that's another thing we're going to look into is maybe getting some like early childhood psychologist consulting. But similar to Crofton, like when we when we leave his room, he's also nervous. But what we did, because um, it's not dissimilar, is took the old baby monitor and just reversed it. We give him the screen and we put the um, the camera downstairs in the kitchen, and then we just say, "Okay, if you you're feeling nervous, just look at the screen." We're like cleaning up the dishes or something like that, and and that so far. I think that's worked. a cool idea. It works. Like it's not a, it's not ideal, you know. You don't want the screen, the blue light from the screen is not. But it helped, but still, oh, right. whatever. With 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 the drugs, he's still out in ten minutes. So I'm like, either way, once you get to whatever sleep thing is working for you, things are so much better. I think, which everyone can agree. When your kid goes yeah. to sleep, it's just like your life is better. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. Right, Ryan's like, wait a wait a second. I'm heading to a third child, and my life is about to be I, turned upside down. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, Ashley and I, uh, I think obviously Ashley gets it. She's carrying the baby, but I'll turn to her and I'll, I'll say to her out loud, like we're having a third child in like a month. We are not gonna, like, I think it was last night I was laying in bed and I thought to my, I said out loud, we're not going to be, we're not going to be able to sleep through the night in like a month for a while. Like how long did it take Abby to, to sleep through the night? And she's like, Abby started sleeping through the night. Like maybe less than a year ago and i'm like oh god what have we done and of course i'm excited about the arrival of my third child but i i haven't started to mentally prepare for the fact that i'm going back to interrupted sleep territory 
and and I'll I'll probably be and and this isn't like when you have your first kid and you know we were breastfeeding and I was at work and it's like okay Ashley's gonna and I would get up for maybe five minutes to help Ashley get set up and then and I would go back to bed because I had to get up for work now it's completely different like we're both gonna have to get up because one of us is gonna have to go feed the baby or take care of the baby yep. and the other one's gonna have to make sure the other kids are staying in their rooms and or staying asleep so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be sounds, interesting sounds great buddy hey i'll tell you how cyberpunk and final fantasy are uh you know oh. i could send you no i could send you notes well that's in uh, september so i feel like september is a different time like that yeah that might be fine i'm sure it'll just get better um so <laughs> with with that i would like to thank uh our guest mike for joining us and uh to uh, seg into what I call the business, you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. You can email the show dad at tgistudios.com. Have you read a good book? Do you know how to read? If so, send us an email. Let us know what that book was. Or maybe if you've had um, sleeping experiences uh, or maybe your children have had sleeping experiences that you want to want to share, send us an email. You can also engage with us online uh, on Twitter. I am at Croft and Steers. Ryan is at R. Murphy. Um, Michael is one of the co-hosts of the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast. You can hear more of him on the Good, Bad, of, and Bullshit podcast. That's at Good, Bad, Bull on Twitter or goodbadbull.com. Michael, do you have anything else you want to plug in terms of people being able to reach you or to contact you or anything like that? Projects well, you have on the go? All I will say is you want to get in touch with me. I know that Croft and Steers has great administrative skills. You can just send him an email because or, or reach out to him on a social media because I am not on the social media. So, uh, But thank you guys for having me on the show. It's been a blast, and uh, I very much enjoyed it. Sweet deal. And uh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Michael. And that's another episode of Dungeons & Diapers. We're out. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Later.